also sometimes a boundary is a way for you to keep yourself from your own bad habits or your own harmful patterns that you've fallen into. So sometimes it is necessary to put systems in place that help stop yourself from continuing down a path that isn't serving you. This could be something like, you know, I keep getting in these situations where I'm being treated in a certain way or I'm allowing myself to take on a lot of responsibilities that really shouldn't be mine or something like that. Like, and you've noticed that this is a pattern for yourself. Having that boundary helps you to kind of see this, okay, something's hit this boundary point. I need to now stop this and, and you know, step in and, and do what I've planned to do to enforce this boundary, to protect myself from that. Sometimes the that is yourself, right? It's just yourself letting yourself be in those situations that are not healthy for you. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are so excited because today is finally the day that our book has come out. Wow, it is May 23rd and our book is officially alive and released into the world. Just watch out, it's coming for you. You better watch out. <laughs> so you can see I'm kooky because we've, we've uh, we finally had the book come out. Because this has been a three-year project and it's ridiculous and we're so glad to be coming to the end of it. Like four-year. Yeah, we started this process in 2019 and it's been, there's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of stuff happened during this process, but we're super excited about it. And to celebrate that with you, uh, one, I mean, we have a couple of live events, one that's tomorrow. So if you're not listening to this right on the day it comes out, you will have missed that. But that's in Seattle. And then we have one next week on May 30th in Los Angeles, where we're doing little book release events with signings and special merch and Q&A and discussion and community. And it's going to be wonderful. We're really excited to see everybody there. But we're also celebrating by covering a topic that we've done a few times, but this time with some updates based on things that we worked on for our book, and that is boundaries. Today, we're diving back into what boundaries are, a little bit more about our special take on the difference between boundaries, agreements, and rules. We're going to discuss why boundaries are so important and give you a special tool from our book that's out today on how to determine your boundaries, refine those, and also enforce them and put them into practice in your life in the most effective way. I love so much that we're giving all of you sort of a firsthand look at a specific chapter in the book. That's really what we wanted to do for you today, especially since Boundaries has always been something that we really enjoy talking about and that has always been a really downloaded set of episodes of ours. But we did find when we were writing the book that we didn't really have like a, a multi-amory-ish tool for it. And I will, if the two of you remember this, like we needed that tool. And I woke up one day, like sprang out of bed and I was like, it's, it's self. It's all about self. 
So I think I came up with the acronym, which I mm-hmm. I, I haven't come up with all of them by any means. So I felt good about coming up with this one. I feel like it's usually Jace like starting. No, the Emily acronym was out very thing. inspired on this one, and it mm-hmm. it worked out really well. I think. Yeah, and then we all kind of worked together to refine it and yes. adjust it and stuff. But Emily was the the mother of dragons in this particular case. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to shout out our previous Boundary episodes, the the OG, which was 178, The Basics of Boundaries. Then we had 227, Rules and Agreements Featuring Boundaries. And then we had a fairly recent one, which was 372, on Needs, Desires, Boundaries, and more. So all of these, you know, serve as a really great way for us to get clear on what the multi-amory definition of boundaries are. But again, today, we're going to be talking about this specific yourself tool, which we created for the book, especially. I love that recent means more than a year ago. That just shows you kind of the (laughs) scope of of this show. Just just the other day, we did that one. You kind of operate on elfish time. When I see 300, I'm like, oh, that just happened. Like 372, I'm like, oh, it happened like yesterday. But no, a year ago? Wow, goodness. No, but 372, needs, desires, boundaries, and more. It's one of the most downloaded episodes that we have. There you go. It's at least in the top five for sure. Wow. So goodness. Yeah. And it's an interesting testament that we've covered this so many times over the years that this is still a hot topic among ourselves and among our community. As well, mm-hmm. and not just the relationship weirdos community, but beyond. Like, this has still been a topic of a lot of discussion, I would say, in the past decade or so. Absolutely. Before we jump into all of this, I just was curious to ask the two of you what you think of boundaries, like what you think when you hear the word boundaries in relation to the cultural landscape. When we think about the word boundaries or when we hear boundaries out there, in the world. Has that changed at all since we started talking about it way back in the day? I think when I hear the word boundaries, I'm sorry to say I do flinch a little bit. Sure. Because to me, immediately I have questions about what's the context this word is being used in? What is the function of what's being labeled as a boundary right now? Is this effective? Is this not effective? And also my opinion on how to best enforce a boundary, how to best communicate a boundary, that has changed quite a lot over the years. I'll get into that a little bit later, but it's definitely it's definitely evolved for me. Yeah, it's funny to think when we first, when we did our first episode about the basics of boundaries, I think was kind of right as that term and that concept was you know, it was already gaining some traction, but kind of earlier on in that wave, I guess. And then we sort of saw this whole boundary thing like really take off in terms of everyone's talking about it. And part of that is then people doing it badly, in my yeah. opinion, at least, right? Like kind of taking the concept and, you know, manipulating it and using it in ways that are maybe not the healthiest because it's like, oh, but this thing's good. This thing's, this thing makes it okay to do it this way. And I think we've seen that with other things as well, like relationship anarchy, I think had a little bit of that trajectory where the term gained some popularity, at least in certain groups, but then got this bad reputation because people were using it to justify just being selfish and shitty and, you know, just calling it relationship anarchy so that no one can fault them for it. And I think that there's probably some other terms we could think of that are similar in that way, but 
it's been interesting to see that. And I think that we're now kind of coming toward a, a new phase of that where I think enough people have been just like burned by or annoyed by boundaries or frustrated by how people have used them that it's like still a thing people want to know about, but people are more likely, at least in my experience, to acknowledge the frustration and the annoyance with them. And I think that's why my hope is that by including that in our book and you know continuing to talk about it on our show, we can kind of bring us all back to this place of let's get back to where they really matter and what's at the core of them rather than treating them like, oh, they're the perfect solution to everything. Yeah, it's funny because I don't really ascribe to, oh, it's the perfect solution to everything. It's going to solve all my problems. But I'm also not quite the full opposite pendulum swing of uh, boundaries are bullshit. This term is bullshit. I'm sick of this. There's still something here, the way that I've enforced my own boundaries or discovered my own boundaries that has given me so much freedom and access to joy and relative safety in my life. So I'm like, no, there's something really, really good here. It's just kind of like the way that we interface with it, the way we talk about it, where things seem to get a little bit tricky. And speaking of that, let's start out by laying out a little bit of backstory, a little bit of definitions, right? So as you've been alluding to, boundaries have been a big deal. Um, you can kind of trace this back mainly to pop psychology starting in the 1980s or so. I think especially with social media and like social media therapists and the phenomenon of Instagram therapists and Instagram pop psychology therapy, all those things. Like I think that's where the idea of boundaries being this great thing has really taken off and spread. And it's created this interesting phenomenon where everyone can agree broadly that boundaries are important, that they should be honored and respected. And generally, everyone seems to be able to agree boundaries are a good thing, right? But what's tricky is that sometimes it's really difficult to actually find a clear definition, or sometimes the definition changes depending on who you're talking to or what Instagram post you're looking at. Sometimes it's difficult to know what's their actual purpose in this situation. How do people actually utilize them in a way that's effective? So I do think that like the functionality of boundaries and the practice of having boundaries is where things get a little bit murky. We're all on board with, yes, boundaries, good, great. And then it's sort of a now what, I think. Yeah. And so part of that is that I think, ironically, when we try to really define boundaries... Like when we get too caught up in a definition, and don't worry, we'll get caught up in definitions later. But <laughs> when we get too caught up in that, then it kind of lends itself to, oh, well, I guess technically this meets that definition. So therefore it's good. And so therefore I can use it and no one can question me rather than looking at what's really the purpose of this though? What's, why am I using this? Am I using this in a way that is healthy for myself and is good to my partners and all of that? So some of the ways that we see boundaries being misused or misconstrued by people in relationships include things like calling something a boundary that's really an ultimatum. It's really saying, well, you better do this or else I leave you or don't do this or I leave you kind of a thing. Could be something like using a boundary as just a way to demand something of a partner or to control a partner. A boundary can be used as a way to punish a partner. Uh, you know, again, kind of like the ultimatum, but instead it's more punitive. Also, this goes, be maybe it doesn't need to be said, but this goes beyond just partners, right? Yeah, boundaries sure. can be used in all this, these kind of weird ways with any relationship. 
Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, this could be with, with friends or family or whoever. Using a boundary as a way to state a preference, so calling it a boundary when really it's just a preference or a desire. Using a boundary in place of an expectation for the relationship, you know, kind of rather than talking about what your expectations are, using a boundary instead to try to express that because I think you were told boundaries are good. So therefore, if I try to make this a boundary, that makes it more okay for me to have this expectation or to ask for this. And something we we sometimes talk about too is the boundaries can be used as a way to just not have a discussion, to kind of shut a discussion down, whether that's a discussion with yourself or with a partner or somebody else. It feels as though a lot of people might conflate certain things with a boundary or call something a boundary when it actually isn't that. And the words rules and agreements are thrown around a lot, especially in non-monogamous communities. I think it is one of the first things that you hear a lot of people saying as advice, like, well, you have to set up some ground rules or you have to figure out your agreements for this relationship, things along those lines. And some people think, okay, well, I got to set up my own boundaries as well. But there's a difference between all of those things. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but we also created some sort of concrete definitions for our listeners and for those people who are going to read our book. So we want to talk about what a rule is and what an agreement is. So here's the definition that we created for a rule. It is a rule is a guideline or limit that restricts one or multiple people's behavior. If the rule is broken, consequences ensue. Interesting. That seems pretty dire, potentially. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about this idea that with rules, there needs to be a consequence of some kind, that that's kind of built into the expectation of rules, that it's like, well, sure, you could say that's a rule, but what happens if I don't do it? Sure. What happens then? And it is kind of that, (laughs) we often don't talk about that part, right? It's like, if we're a kid, maybe we maybe there's some kind of punishment. You know, maybe you have to sit in the corner or you get your toys taken away or something like that. Or if it's a rule or I guess a law, in other contexts, it's like, well, you're not allowed to come to this establishment anymore, or you get arrested or whatever, right? That there's consequences for these things. And so even though we don't usually think about our relationships that way, that's kind of inherent in the way that we've learned to think about rules. Yeah, I think the limit part is big here because in essence, rules are potentially limiting to certain parts of a relationship, certain aspects of something that you may want to do with another person, for example. It can be a variety of things. I mean, rules for kids, sure, parents creating rules for their kids, that's too potentially limit a behavior that they don't want to see or that they don't want that child to do. So it's an interesting distinction there. Whereas an agreement, the definition we came up for that is an agreement is a mutual decision between partners that establishes particular behaviors to facilitate trust, accommodate each other's preferences, and provide some predictability as to what they can each expect. Now, that feels a lot more collaborative than the rule. I think, yes, you can create a rule together, but it's not necessarily a limit. It's sort of decision-making on two people's part or on multiple people's parts that I think 
allows, as this says, the people involved to understand, okay, this is sort of what we can expect from the relationship or or what people's expectations essentially are. So why is it important for us to lay out these differences? I, I need to clarify that in laying out these differences and these definitions, the point of this is not to enable, I guess, what I'll call label lawyering, right? Where uh-huh. we get to, into a debate about like, oh, this thing you're asking of me is actually a rule. It's not a boundary. Like, and now I'm going to get into a fight with you about that and make sure that you call it the right thing, right? Again, it's not about being able to weaponize this, to use this for debate. The whole point is how do we make these terms clear so that they can actually be functional, they can be simple, and they can be effective. That's the whole point of this, as opposed to getting into some kind of linguistic arguments with people on the internet. Essentially, you know, these two definitions of a rule or an agreement, they tend to focus on either the other person in the relationship or on the people in the relationship itself. And a boundary focuses on just one single person, which is you. So the definition that we've come back to time and time again over the years is that a boundary is a guideline, a limit, or a standard that is established by you, applied to you, and enforced by you in order to protect you and preserve your personal values. Now, with this definition, maybe you're wondering to yourself, why do we need this? Why do people need things like boundaries in their life? And, you know, boundaries, I think, are super important for a variety of reasons, which we're going to get into. But first, we do want to let you know that it is important to potentially make requests and set up agreements and establish ground rules, express your preferences, things like that with your partners. All of those things are super important. And the important thing to think of there, though, is you can do all of those things, and yet you're still dealing with the potential that another person is going to have different opinions on what their own preferences and their own expectations for the relationship are. And that may butt up against your own. That may be a challenging thing to kind of come to terms with and figure out how do we both keep each other safe in this relationship? How do we keep ourselves safe in this relationship? So that's where the boundary can come into play. It can really be a tool to help you advocate for yourself in the relationship. Also, sometimes a boundary is a way for you to keep yourself from your own bad habits or your own harmful patterns that you've fallen into. So sometimes it is necessary to put systems in place that help stop yourself from continuing down a path that isn't serving you. This could be something like, you know, I keep getting in these situations where I'm being treated in a certain way or I'm allowing myself to take on a lot of responsibilities that really shouldn't be mine or something like that. Like, And you've noticed that this is a pattern for yourself. Having that boundary helps you to kind of see this, okay, something's hit this boundary point. I need to now stop this and, and you know, step in and, and do what I've planned to do to enforce this boundary to protect myself from that. Sometimes the that is yourself, right? Is just yourself letting yourself be in those situations that are not healthy for you. Or it doesn't even have to be necessarily about something another person is doing to you. Like it could be, you know, the example I like to give is like my own relationship with social media or phone usage, right? It can be about 
I'm going to put some boundaries on my own behavior to protect myself from myself in this particular instance. Absolutely. This is something I deal with so much, especially in my relationship to work and specifically mm-hmm. my work at the restaurant that I have worked at for many, many years. I definitely put a lot of time and care, but also it becomes burdensome at times and it just is very, very stressful. And so I've kind of limited myself over the years in terms of the amount of time that I spend there and the amount of time that I think about it after the fact. I try to really like set it down when I can Hmm. and maybe limit myself to I'm not going to pick up these phone calls necessarily after hours because... I really want to be able to take time to decompress, things like that. And those are personal boundaries that I put in to save myself from myself and that knee-jerk reaction of, I have to save everyone or I have to help Mm -hmm. the situation because nobody else can or something along those lines. A lot of definitions out there will sometimes make the claim that the reason that boundaries are necessary is because they're like the only tool that we have to protect us against things like people violating us, against discomfort or distress or having to compromise on things that we don't want to or, you know, the oft amorphous term harm, things like that. Like sometimes I do think there's these definitions floating out there that sets up this world where we're just constantly under attack. And so we need our boundaries as this like force field around us that we're constantly having to shore up. And sometimes they can function that way, right? You know, I do think a certain amount of boundaries is is protecting you and protecting your values, but it's not necessarily the only tool in the toolbox for getting those or protecting yourself from those things. Right. An analogy for that. So we always call it, you know, it's more your last line of defense rather than the thing you should be bumping up against all the time. And one analogy that works for this is it's like the bumper on your car where it's there to protect you and can really do a good job of protecting you from killing yourself if you crash into something. But you're not driving around day to day by just sort of scraping the bumper against things to help guide you around, right? Hopefully. You're bumping people out of Hopefully. the way. Right, yeah. bumping other cars out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that they're there to protect us and to help us and and maybe to help guide us. In an ideal situation, and even, I wouldn't even say just ideal, but in kind of your standard situation, ideally you're not bumping up against these very often. And in relationships, this is especially true because if you're in, I think, a healthier relationship, then this isn't going to be happening all the time. You're not going to be bumping up against each other's boundaries. But if you do find that that's happening... That's an interesting data point to have because you may be finding, hey, this is a constant conversation that we're having and that's something that I really need to look at because maybe we're simply just not compatible. Maybe the expectations of my partner don't fit my own personal expectations and we need to address that or I need to not be in this relationship anymore. And that brings us to some of the reasons why boundaries are really difficult, why it's difficult to to have boundaries and to figure them out. One of the big ones is that it's hard to determine how to follow through on them. And I think there's a couple pieces to that. One is that because they are this last line of defense, they're often somewhat serious in the way that you enforce them. 
And a lot of times that's not something people really want to do. Uh, but also it can, like, for example, if your boundary is about for yourself, right? Trying not to be so much of a people pleaser and just letting yourself compromise your own desires and your own schedule for anyone who asks for it, that you could put a boundary in place. But the thing that's going to make that boundary challenging for you is the fact that you're worried that it's going to come across as being stubborn or mean or selfish or a bad partner or something when you enforce that. Or it might be fear that these other people are going to react negatively if I enforce this boundary. Like no one's going to love me anymore or value me at work or whatever it is if I enforce this. And that's understandable. It's kind of built into the very problem you're trying to solve in that case. And I think that same thing translates to a lot of other uses of boundaries. There may be a fear of missing out. So you sit there and you're like, well, I'm not going to enforce this boundary because I may miss out on some really cool new experience or an opportunity, even though the opportunity might be not okay to my well-being. And so you decide, well, I'm just not going to enforce that boundary. You also may have been raised in a family or you might be living in a culture that discourages boundary setting. This is very individual to each person, but you may have gotten shamed in your family of origin for setting a boundary and therefore you feel like you can't do it in your relationships now. So related to that, we can have, you know, a whole plethora of past experiences from childhood all the way up to the moment you're in right now that, again, could just make it difficult to feel like enforcing or having a boundary is a good thing to do. You may have had a past experience of being punished or gaslit or hurt or abused for enforcing a boundary. You may have a past experience of your requests, your needs, your preferences, or your boundaries being completely ignored or totally steamrolled by someone else. On the flip side, you could have a past experience of someone else's boundaries being weaponized against you, which I think can then serve to feed into that sense of, oh gosh, like if I have a boundary, that means I'm going to make the other person feel the way that I felt when someone was weaponizing this boundary against me. I think all of those examples, honestly, I feel like it's really easy to experience this with parents. That's just my personal mm -hmm. experience and not just my personal experience talking to other people. It's their experience as well. I think that's tricky because we're we're in an interesting time where I think the bigger discussion is people are trying to figure out like what boundaries are children allowed to have, you know, what's acceptable, you know. So it's like if your kid doesn't want to go hug his grandma, is that an OK boundary to have versus if your kid says, no, I'm not going to do my chores today. Is that an OK boundary to have? And I think parenting is tricky, right, between you want to empower your kid to have a sense of boundaries, but then also sometimes you need to teach your kid to take responsibility that there's things we got to do, even though we don't feel like doing them. And so I do think all of us who were raised by imperfect parents trying to figure that out when we get into adulthood, I think parents of adult children also have a hard time adjusting to what boundaries is my adult child allowed to have and how do I respect mm. them versus not, right? I, I do think there's something particular about the parent or caregiver with child relationship, especially as it translates into adulthood, that can make this difficult. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, sometimes you can just be not sure what your personal boundaries even are. I didn't even think about my boundaries until, you know, may maybe 10 years ago, less than 10 years ago, couldn't have even told you what a boundary was. 
couldn't have even like was nowhere in my brain, honestly. And so for me, the first time I was encountering this concept, it was hard to find anything to grasp onto, right? Uh, so you may not be even sure what they are, how you can effectively express them, or even how to enforce them. I do appreciate that potentially the youths of today will have more of a touchstone of even understanding what boundaries are just simply because it is so prevalent on social media. Not necessarily that they'll find what a good definition of boundaries that's, are, I, but that yeah, they'll be yeah. aware of I, them in, everyone's in a way grow that up with some kind of some kind of BS from their parents. Sure. We all get well some BS. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Social media, parents, whatever. So, you know, additionally, on the flip side, it can be really difficult for us to acknowledge and understand other people's boundaries as well. So you may have a really great understanding of what it is that you need, but it may be really difficult for you to acknowledge and uphold and be okay with your partner's boundaries or your friends or your parents or any of those things. There is a potential that if you are having difficulty with this, you just may not have an easy time honoring your own boundaries either. It may just simply not be something that you're very good at yet. And that's okay. It takes practice. I'm still not very good at upholding my own boundaries. And it's something that I really have to catch myself on and that I need to work on all the time. And probably all of us do. All of us could be better at this. A lot of the examples that we already discussed can be flipped and act as examples of ways that you were perhaps not honoring or accepting or understanding other people's boundaries too. Yeah. Now, I feel like we're getting into we're getting into the area that is the tricky part, right? This is where we have some of these challenges with people either using the word boundaries for things that aren't really that 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 really are more of a, a preference or a desire or an expectation or something like that. And I feel like there's a few pieces here. So, you know, one is that sometimes we can just feel like, oh, well, I know better than the other person that, that maybe even if it's just subconscious, you're like, but I know what's right. And so this person should be doing that. Whether that's, you know, a tendency to want to ignore what they've told you about their boundary or just not really even paying attention to that. Or more likely, they've never expressed the boundary to you clearly, right? Because most of us aren't practiced at that. That's not something that we've often done. But then there can also be this, this other thing where, like we mentioned before, that the boundaries are, it feels like they're constantly coming up and constantly being used. And in that case, it is more of this, am I just saying boundary to really mean I'm disappointed? Or what you said hurt me? But, you know, I, I feel like the only way I can express that hurt clearly is to call it a boundary because I've been told that when I say I'm hurt, I've been told that's wrong. And so maybe by calling it a boundary, I feel like, well, but by definition, boundaries are always good. So therefore, I'm going to use it that way. And the reason why I put the story in that way is to clarify that when we talk about people using boundaries wrong, I actually think it's rarely, rarely, if ever, coming from an intentionally you know, manipulative place. It's sure. generally coming from these desires or these fears or these insecurities about being able to express what it is that we want. But then the other piece of that is that if, if these really are important fundamental boundaries and the two of you just cannot 
accept each other's or this just seems incompatible. Like if that's really your boundary, that just seems like how can we have a good relationship that way? That also may mean this is not a good relationship, that this is not a good fit. You could both be fine people, but this might not be a good relationship for the two of you. And that's a hard thing for people to accept, which also makes enforcing and understanding boundaries difficult. And again, the same way that you said that, you know, people who quote unquote misuse the definition of boundaries, it doesn't necessarily always come from a super evil, manipulative place. I think, again, if someone's pushing up against your boundaries or doing something that doesn't jive with you or that makes you uncomfortable, or if you've maybe explicitly stated to them, no, I don't do this or I don't want to do this, and they still keep pushing against that, it doesn't even necessarily mean that they're a horrible, manipulative, villainous person either, because this can happen in super benign situations. I I think this happens all the time. I think about, I want to invite someone to a party and they say no. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's because they're worried that it's going to go too late. Okay, well, if I just explain to them, it's not going to go too late, then they'll know that it's okay. And then they'll say yes. And maybe I explain that. And then they're still like, no, I don't want to go. You know, was that a situation? Did I violate their boundary by trying to convince them? You know, I guess if I kept pushing them and pushing them and pushing them and getting really annoying about it, maybe that could be. But this is like a weird sort of quote unquote benign situation where technically I didn't respect their first no. I was like, oh, no, they just don't understand. So if I clarify, then they'll get it. Right. And this is just an example. But it's like, I think these things happen all the time where we're not necessarily thinking in terms of, ooh, this is a boundary. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Of course, like the example of inviting someone to a party, maybe that's pretty low stakes. There can be higher stakes situations as well. I hope that that story brought to mind just that that's a very normal interaction that we have with our friends and people we care about and that we feel cared about in terms of we do sometimes push each other a little bit and that that's not bad in itself. And so there is a little bit of a difference too between just, well, mm, no, I don't really want to do that versus this is a boundary. This is something I've like really spent time exploring. I will never go to parties right? Or or I will never go to parties with you (laughs) or something like that, right? I'm I'm being a little bit silly right now. You should have seen my Instagram (laughs) post that I put up six weeks ago where I very clearly stated this boundary that I'm not, I do not go to parties. And so how dare you even invite me? Right. And, And the reason why I bring this up is that, again, I don't want any of our listeners to, to get too caught up in this whole, oh, well, this is a boundary. And I've, I said this thing, therefore, if they pushed me at all on that, they're a bad person. And then similarly, we can, if it is like, no, this is very clear. We can also stand up for ourselves in that way too. Uh, Cause I can think of so many examples where I haven't wanted to do something, but a friend or a partner has been like, no, I think you will really like it. Or even it's like, look, you've been bummed about this breakup. You need to come out to this party or, or, you know, we need to go out tonight. You need to stop moping around in your room. And they were right, right? That that happens. Also sometimes where it's like, no, I still had a bad time. But like, that's all part of just being humans and caring about each other and, and having a life. So I, I don't want us to get too caught up in in these kind of black and white thinking about, about boundaries. And that's a, a kind of a segue into one of the other challenges is that sometimes you'll come up with a boundary and realize that it's not consistent, which is a good indication that maybe this isn't something that's fit to be a boundary like going to parties or something, you know, maybe you're like, look, I keep getting invited out by my friends and staying up too late. And like my work is suffering or my schoolwork is suffering or just my mood or whatever. 
I need to stop doing that so often. And so you say, I'm going to have a boundary about never going out after 10 p.m. or something. But then you find that, yeah, but sometimes I want to. Sometimes I do. It's like, okay, maybe this one's not a boundary. So that's also something to look out for. When you do find that boundaries are just super difficult for you in general, and they tend to be kind of porous or they're a little wishy-washy or it's something that I just can't seem to uphold my own boundaries. I, you know, I say I'm going to do something. I say that I'm I'm not going to go out past 10 p.m., but I always get roped in. I always do it just because of all the reasons, you know, that we talked about before. This is an interesting thing that can come up with those of us who are sort of inherent people pleasers. I do this a ton. Oh, my. We might put the needs of others before ourselves. We may tend to have more fawning tendencies. And so a boundary that you make just ends up being really unclear and easy for other people to steamroll. And there may be little follow through on the person that it's meant to protect. So that's something really important to be looking at and something that hopefully our next part of the episode where we get into the yourself exercise Hopefully that can help with practice. Yeah. So we're going to go on to this exercise, but first we're going to take a quick break to talk about some of our sponsors for this show. If you appreciate this content and you want to help support us in keeping this coming to everyone out there in the world for free, there's a number of things you can do. One of them is just to check out our ads. And if any of them seem interesting to you, go check them out. That does directly support our show. And also... Relevant to this episode, go buy our book or buy it for a friend uh, if they don't have it yet. If this seems interesting and you want the more in-depth version of this with a lot more examples and journal exercises and things for you to review on your own, the book is a great one for that, plus all the other tools that are in it. And of course, that goes a long way to supporting this show, helping us get all of this out there into the world. And like I said, that we can do this every week for everyone for free. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy 
or anything you desire. Something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Hello, and we're back, and we're finally getting to the super inspired tool, yourself. Again, just to recap, the definition of boundary that we're going to be using is that a boundary is a guideline, limit, or standard established by you, applied to you, and enforced by you in order to protect you and preserve your personal values. Okay, so how the hell do we do that, right? Where do we even begin? How indeed. So we created the Yourself, S-E-L-F, of course, always doing the multi-amory tradition of turning things into an acronym. So we created this. It's meant to be used as a journaling exercise. It's meant to be revisited and revised whenever you need to update, refine, or to create a new boundary. So again, remember that when thinking about boundaries, it is all about yourself. And that stands for search, empower, live it, and follow up. We're going to take those one by one. The first one is going to be search. Now, in your journal, again, I love journaling. Jace loves journaling. I think all of us do. (laughs) I always am on Jace's ass for journaling. But yeah, this is a great way to kind of do a brain dump and sit and think about your past. So in this search part of the exercise, go back and search your memories for any really painful or upsetting situation that you found yourself in repeatedly. And look at what those situations kind of represent, what happens when they occur, what behaviors from other people happen, and and what behaviors happen within you. And do any of those sort of clash with your values, your standards, things like that. So try to really go deep into these situations, think about them, and look for those underlying patterns that you feel you want to change. What do you want to help yourself not do in the future? We really encourage you to kind of look at broader things as opposed to just super specific acute examples, because those specific examples may be really difficult to create a boundary for. And instead, if you're like, hey, I understand that I have a tendency to do this thing and it's really affecting my sleep, it's really affecting my life overall, what can I do to save myself and to help myself in these situations? You may have an interaction with a certain person in your life and that causes you to want to kind of create a specific boundary tailored to that interaction with them. But as you're kind of looking and digging and going through this exercise, you may find that there's a pattern there, that that's something that has occurred before and that may occur again, those types of interactions. So what we want you to do in this search is to, as you're thinking, write down at least three meaningful past experiences and behaviors that you found really challenging from others or from yourself. Do that in your journal just kind of to get the juices flowing here. Yeah, can we can I throw out a personal example to take through? Yeah, I was going to suggest we have some examples. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah. So let's see. I'm going to try to not give the game away because I've kind of already gone through (laughs) this whole exercise. So I have a particular family member and I'm not going to be specific about what their relationship is to me because I don't want to trash talk them and I don't want to out them. But I have a particular family member who, whenever my mom comes up in conversation, this family member always has negative things to say. Pretty much always. And... To be fair, sometimes my mom annoys me. Sometimes we haven't always had the greatest relationship. But to put it through this kind of search filter when I'm thinking about a pattern, that's definitely something that has historically upset me that have had multiple conversations with this person where it ends up being about trash talking my mom and it's left me feeling kind of depleted and upset and sometimes angry and also feeling pretty pretty powerless, feeling like there's not much that I can do about it. So I think maybe that's a good example of it wasn't just a one-off. This has been a pattern that's been going on for a long time. It's something that's really upset me. And maybe something to even clarify here, or maybe we'll get to this in, in the next few steps, that there's also a person where I feel like if I told them directly, hey, I would rather you didn't do that, I don't think that'd be a very good conversation. <laughs> I don't think they'd be receptive to it. And I, I think that it would maybe risk some damage to the relationship if I was going to confront it head on like that. So hence, that's why I felt pretty powerless around and feeling like I have, I have no choice but to kind of subject myself to these conversations. Yeah, you know, one, one thing worth noting with this is that in Dedeker's example here, it's something where there's been a pretty clear pattern of this one person doing the same behavior over and over again that she's noticed and that's upsetting. And there's more of a pattern here than just this one thing. And also that you've identified that it's whenever your mom comes up at all versus, oh, well, it's when we talk about my mom, I don't know, being late to stuff. Sure. That's not, sure. it's not really a your mom thing, but you know, yeah. something like that, like that it's taking it from specific to make it a little more general. Another thing to throw out here is that for you, this could be, I'm frustrated about this situation where this one person interrupted me, or maybe they did it a couple times and I just got really pissed off and upset when they did that, that you might then look back and go, oh, you know what? This is not the first time in my life this has happened. You know, my my dad used to do this to me or, you know, my siblings did or my friends at school did or past partners, whatever. It's kind of trying to find the patterns there. So that's kind of what what Emily was getting at with the searching. So then the next step is E for empower. So after we've identified some of those difficult situations and those recurring patterns, then we start brainstorming what an empowering boundary would look like. So for this, think about what your own wants and needs are, how those have evolved over time, and then think about in these scenarios that you came up with in the search phase, what could have been done differently that could have helped you feel safer, feel more protected, or maybe more stable, more regulated, something like that. And it's important to remember during this step that the boundary you create needs to be entirely enforceable by you. No one else has to buy into this at all in order for it to work. And that's part of what makes them powerful, is that we're not relying on someone else doing their side of it. So, Hopefully, through this, you'll feel empowered to stop these negative patterns and set up some safeguards for yourself against any of these existing situations that you know are are bad for you, that are upsetting, that are traumatic for you. And now, again, write down in your journal some options, start with three, for how you might be able to enforce this boundary. 
Like what, what would that look like? Come up with some different options so that then you can compare them to each other. So yeah, maybe one came to mind right away. It's I'll tell that person to fuck off as soon as they do it. <laughs> so, you know, okay. So now push yourself. What are some other different ways? Like try to come up with a little bit of a variety here so that then we can look at these and we can ask the questions. Is this realistically possible to enforce the boundary in this way that I just described? Two, would I actually do it? Like, would I actually follow through on this? And then three, will I be able to enforce the boundary this way consistently across all situations? So not just with this one person and not just in this one situation, but universally. Like if I make this into a universal boundary, does this actually feel right to apply that across all situations? And then if you find that you look at your options you wrote down and ask those questions and you think, I don't know about that. It might be a good indication that you'll need to come up with some other options or maybe revisit the boundary and try to figure out, you know, what's the through line here? What's the core of this? Yeah. So I guess to take my example, there's a number of different ways that I could put in a boundary that, again, is enforced to my own behavior to deal with that situation with this family member. I could say anytime the subject of my mom comes up, I could just be like, I don't want to talk about that. Right. I could just shut mm -hmm. down the conversation. I could decide to do that. Uh, I could decide to just never spend any time with this family member ever again. You know, some situations that could be appropriate doesn't feel appropriate for this situation for me. What I decided to try was, OK, if the subject of my mom comes up, A, I'm not going to give any ammo. So like I'm not going to engage, you know, I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, mom's doing good. And then I'm going to change the subject. Like that was kind of what I decided is going to be, again, the thing that I'm going to do to change my behavior that I'm going to enforce on myself in order to hopefully kind of protect me from this unpleasant experience. I think this one's an interesting example of a place where you may also find you have a fallback where maybe that first one is the one you came up with, which is the way I can enforce this for myself is just changing the subject of just Hmm. Essentially, you could phrase it as my boundary is I won't have conversations about my mother with this person. And what that means is that it gives you a little bit of flexibility in terms of, well, avoiding that conversation is the first easiest way and, you know, kind of getting out of that conversation quickly. But if they keep trying to pull you back into it, then maybe that's a scenario where you could take it to the next level of I really don't want to talk about this. Or that whole, like, I'm busy. I've actually got to go. Gosh, look at the time. I got to get my <laughs> hair washed. So in the next stage, in the live it phase, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is where, okay, I've come up with some ideas of some boundaries to try. And now it's time to actually go out and use them in real life. Depending on the situation, this could be the time to disclose a boundary to someone so we used this example in the book, and it was about the way that someone raises their voice during conflict, right? So the example we gave for someone disclosing a boundary around that was for them to say, oh, hey, just a heads up, I don't respond really well when people raise their voice during conflict. So if either of us starts yelling or raising our voices while we're arguing, I'm going to leave the room and stop the conversation until we can both calm down a little bit, right? And then we'll come back together with less emotional intensity. Saying that already, I think, is a gentler, softer way to still have a firm boundary, in my opinion, where 
it's not quite bludgeoning the other person by being like, if you if you raise your voice, I'm going to walk out and slam the door, right? It's not quite that intense, but it's still firm, right? Like clearly letting them know, this is what I'm going to do if I'm in this situation. This is, Again, this is what I'm going to do as opposed to what I'm going to pressure you to do or make you mm-hmm. do, right? Now, I have a controversial differing opinion about this, but before I go on to that, Jace, did you want to jump in there? The reason why we use this particular example in the book for a time when you would want to disclose that boundary beforehand is that if you were in an argument and voices got raised and you just walked out of the room, that's actually a kind of shitty stonewalling type behavior to Your partner do that. Maybe like, what the fuck? Just happened. Right. Like, yeah, you're, you're maybe making it worse. Like you're actually just being a jerk then by doing that. And so the, the reason here is that this is your partner. This is someone who you believe has your best interests at heart and that you care about. And so by talking to them about it beforehand gives that clarification of when this happens, you'll know why and know that I'm not walking out on you entirely, but that it's because I said I would need that time to cool down and I don't want us to continue this cycle of having these types of conversations. So I think that's why that one's a good example of something where it could be helpful to bring it up beforehand. And actually, if you didn't, could be worse. So here's the deal. I don't think it is always necessary to have to have a big formal announcement to everyone in your life or to your partner or whoever else about what your boundary is or what your boundaries are. Some people will disagree with me on that. I feel like a lot of the rhetoric around boundaries out there, like this is a necessary piece, like you have to go let the people know, right? But here's the thing. And to use this real life example, once I decided this is what my boundary is going to be, this is how I'm going to change my behavior. Ideally, if it's just about your behavior, again, like Jace was saying earlier, you do not need to get the other person's buy-in for it to work. And if my boundary requires the other person has to do something for it to work, then like we might be talking about something else entirely, right? So in this case, I didn't want to go up to this family member and make this formal announcement of, by the way, whenever we talk about my mom in conversation, and if you say anything that's negative, this is what I'm going to be doing. Because again, part of the reason this was a problem in the first place is because I didn't feel empowered in this relationship to just make a request of, hey, can you not do that without it causing a ton of defensiveness or conflict? And I feel like If I did that, this big boundary announcement, it would would probably end up with the same result of defensiveness and unnecessary conflict. So for me, I just do it, right? Like I just do it. Every time I have done it, I've not been 100% good at enforcing it, by the way. But every time that I have, it's been fine. It's been great. Like we switch the conversation and then we're talking about other things. And then I've spared myself Not only have I spared myself the discomfort of having to go through a conversation I don't want to be going through, but also it didn't have to be a big fight with this person. It didn't have to be something that damaged the relationship or caused tension, right? Again, if this family member became super insistent and was like following me around through the house, like trying to dump on my mom, that's going to be an entirely different situation, but that was not the situation that I'm in. And so for me... It's. I found that this was really effective just to do it, and it didn't require this big announcement, right? So I think that's going to be different on a case-by-case basis. Of course, it's also shitty if you're like, oh, I'm going to have all these secret boundaries, and then it's going to be like a bullshit test that then when someone pushes up against it, I can be like, aha, you've activated my trap boundary, and now you're a bad person. Like, that's not cool. 
Right. You can tell that Dedeker plays a lot of uh, card-based games with the, uh-huh, <laughs> with the uh-huh. trap card. Is that what that was? Metaphor, yeah. Was yeah, like, yeah. No, that was... Falling through a door trap ki- or something? No, no. Those of us kids who grew up with Yu-Gi-Oh! It's, um, it's a reference to that. That's all. Got oh, it. I mean, it's in a lot of other things. Like in Magic the Gathering and in Hearthstone. It's It's a common mechanic. Anyway, that's not the point here. Or rather, it is the point. Don't don't lay them as traps, but evaluate. Is this something where I can just enforce this myself? Or is this something that I should have a conversation or maybe find some quick way to announce it right when I'm actually enforcing it so it doesn't feel like, oh, I just walked away from the conversation and now I'm being weird. Or I just never called this person again and they don't know why. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that might maybe you need to do that. That might that might be the right answer for you in certain situations. But I would say in most situations, that wouldn't be a great go-to. Yeah, I think if you're motivated by wanting to preserve relationship and mm-hmm. wanting your relationships to feel good, I think make the choice that's going to be the most compassionate to everyone involved. If you're If you're in a situation where it's not important to preserve the relationship or it's not important for the relationship to feel good, then that's different. To bring it back to the journaling exercise for Livet, after you actually go out and try out your boundary with someone, write down what happened. How well did it work out? Did it end up being kind of not exactly as you expected it to be? What were the behaviors that happened on the part of the other person if you had to utilize that boundary? Things like that. So you can kind of record your findings and see how well or how not well that boundary actually worked in real life. And then finally, we're to our F section for follow up. So if you do utilize this boundary for a little while out in the real world, like maybe say a couple weeks or a month even, you can go back and check in with those journaling exercises that you've been doing and maybe even Every single time you use it in real life, you can go back and write something down and see if things change over time. See, you know, maybe is it time to tweak this boundary a bit? Or is it even time to go all the way back to the drawing board and just scrap it all together? Let's come back with, you know, a totally new boundary. Maybe Dedeker finds that every time she has conversation with this person, that first, oh, I'm I'm just going to try changing the subject, doesn't work. And so she's got to change it all together or do something else entirely. Or, I mean, to give more like actual real life data that I yeah. found from this sure. is it's been less about, oh, it didn't work the first time. It's been more that my enforcement has sometimes been inconsistent. Like I give myself maybe a 75% mm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And when I've sat down to actually analyze, okay, what happens that 25% of the time when I don't do this or I don't enforce this boundary, often it's because either like alcohol is involved and so oh. like my wits are not about me, right? And I'm less, there's less inhibitions, right? And it's, it's I guess, harder for me to remember or easier for me to get swept up in conversation or times that I've not enforced it has been like if <laughs> if I'm annoyed with my mom. And then Mm -hmm. I fall into the temptation to be like, yeah, let's sit and rag on my mom. (laughs) 
Um, but then I don't feel good. It doesn't feel good still. Like it's still not something that I enjoy. So for me... Well, those are awesome data points to yes, have. Yeah, yeah, knowing that is really important. And we'll see. Like I, I still, I think having that data is still relatively new to me and I'm still trying to figure out like, okay, so how do I account for that next time around? Is it is it just knowing that, right? Is it just knowing like, okay, if I'm going to knock back a couple of drinks with this person, I just need to be mindful or is it I need to be mindful about where I'm at with my mom at this particular moment? Like, I don't know that that I'm still figuring out. But again, I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to actually try this out in person a couple times and actually get that data so I can be a really good boundary scientist, a boundaryologist, mm, as it were. Boundary sleuth. Yeah. Ooh, like finding the boundary. Detective, yeah. Yeah. Boundary detective. A boundary detective. Love that. Like, Yeah. So in this last step, it is this moment to really assess over time, see like kind of a longitudinal study if we're if we're scientists and see how well this boundary worked. And then again, if you need to change it in any way or go back to the drawing board. So when you're looking at this, you can write down in your journal again, use some of the following prompts that I'm about to say. So ask yourself, did anything surprising happen the last time you enforced your boundary? What feelings came up when you had to enforce it? What reaction did you get from the person you enforced that boundary with? Have you been able to enforce your boundary across multiple scenarios and with multiple people? Maybe this comes up in other places in Dedeker's life with other people as well. Are you finding that this boundary is too restrictive or too general? too rigid or too porous? Does the boundary rely on a behavioral change from the other person or some external change out of your control? That's a really big one to get clear on with yourself, Mm -hmm. because again, you don't want to have to rely on somebody else to fix this issue for you. Yeah, I think this is a big one. If you find that when trying it, you're like, well, it didn't work. They just walked all over it. It's like, well, okay, yeah, then then we need to go That's back to the data. drawing board and figure out, okay, if this is a boundary for me, I need to find a way that I don't rely on anyone else to enforce it. And you might not like what the answer is there, but it still might be the right answer. It might be, this isn't a relationship I can have, or I can't do this fun thing with this person because this bad thing happens when we do it, or something like that. You know, it, it, It's those hard conversations, but the point here is to evaluate, get those data points, like Emily keeps saying. And you may also find out that this boundary isn't even really necessary anymore. Maybe there's something in your relationship that's changed over time, or maybe that person kind of got the picture and they're like, okay, yeah, this is not a place that I can go with them. So I'm not going to go there. And that's great. That's fine. It is a magical thing when you make a boundary for yourself and then find that just by making it for yourself, you rarely ever have to use it because it just kind of got you thinking and more aware of this thing in an empowering way rather than feeling like, oh, well, I'm just a victim of circumstance here. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. That that even it's it's really cool when that happens. You're like, wow, I did all this work to make this boundary and now. I've done enough of that work that I don't even need to enforce it very often, if at all, which is which is the ideal, like we said, right? Ideally, you're not constantly having to bump up against these and enforce these all the time. Finally, ask yourself, what actionable steps are you going to take to make this boundary even more effective in your life? 
so that you reach that 90%, 95% Dedeker, not just 75. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I guess I'll have to keep y'all posted. So yeah. again, to recap those journaling prompts, so it's going to be search, empower, live it, and follow up. Now, probably the best thing to do, other than listening to this episode 600 times, is to go check out this chapter in our book. We realized that with some of our tools, it's a little bit easier to see when it's laid out on a page as opposed to just hearing it whispered in your ear by three beautiful people. Uh, Also in the book, there's specific questions, prompts to follow. We have homework attached to each chapter, and it's full of other amazing tools as well. So you can find that pretty much wherever fine books are sold, or you can go to multiamory.com slash book. Now, everyone out there, our question of the week, which is going to be on our social media, is what's an example of a personal boundary and how do you enforce it? We can't wait to hear what it is that you have to say. I love listening to people's boundaries like what Dedeker just talked about in her example, because it's great for me to hear how other people are are keeping themselves safe. And it gives me good ideas for ways that I can do the same in my own life. So hopefully this got the juices flowing, the creative juices, and you feel empowered to go out there and serve up some of your own boundaries. Do the creative process of making your own stable, awesome, enforceable boundaries. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is in this episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can post in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.